0: Welcome to the Talking Michigan Transportation podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Cranston. Sometimes fixing the damn roads means facing the repercussions of how the roads were originally built. Who was included in that process and who is not? Who is was power and who is displaced? And when a generations old piece of infrastructure comes to the end of its useful life, it requires us to decide in our time whether we're just going to put things back exactly as they were, or whether we're going to build go back better. That was U.S. Department of Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg in Detroit to formally announce the 105 million dollar infra grant for a long-awaited project to replace the I-375 recessed freeway with an at-grade urban boulevard, allowing for a reconnection of the east side neighborhoods with the central business district, as well as cultural and sports venues in downtown Detroit. On today's podcast, I'll be talking first with Zach Kolodin, director of the Michigan Infrastructure Office, established earlier this year by Governor Whitmer. He'll talk about his office's role in overseeing all infrastructure, not just transportation, and offer his perspective on the 375 announcement. Later, I'll speak with John Lurie, MDOT's 375 project manager. So again, we're kicking off today with Zach Culloden, who is the director of the Michigan Infrastructure Office, set up by Governor Gretchen Whitmer. What was it, Zach, last year now, 2021?
1: We launched in March 2022. Uh, We were one of the one of the first, uh, I mean, probably the first infrastructure office set up to leverage that bipartisan infrastructure law for uh, one of the states. And uh, so the governor was really forward thinking in that respect.
0: Yeah. So before we get into the issue of the day and the I-375 significant announcement, um, talk a little bit first about, about your role, uh, your background, and what got you there. I know you worked in the governor's legal office previously. Um, sure. But uh, you know what? What interests you about this, and how does this feed your passions?
1: That's a great question. Uh, I'm really glad we're doing this on a day when we have some good news to share because I think one of the reasons that the governor set up this office was to jumpstart projects like I three seventy five, and so some of the work that we've been doing with the with your department, Jeff, with the Michigan Department of, Tra- of Transportation and uh, the governor's federal affairs team has started to pay off. So I think it's a really, really great proof of concept. Um, you know, the governor launched this office, uh, Michigan Infrastructure Office, this, this past spring. And um, she really did so as part of uh, her commitment to infrastructure, which has been ongoing since 2018. Um, you know, she promised to fix these damn roads Uh, back in in 2018 when she was running for office. And really every year of this administration, she's rolled out a really significant infrastructure program. So you probably remember uh, the, well, you live it every day, the Rebuilding Michigan program, the $3.5 billion uh, bond program to rebuild Michigan's trunk lines, which she launched in in 2019. Uh, Yes,
0: I am somewhat familiar with that.
1: (laughs) you heard of it. Uh, and then uh, following on that, which I think is was sort of the first down payment on, on fixing these damn roads, uh, she launched the Michigan Clean Water Plan in 2020, which was a, a record breaking one time investment in Michigan's water infrastructure. And then most recently launched the uh, bipartisan Building Michigan Together Plan, uh, which makes the largest high speed Internet. Investment in Michigan's history and the largest one-time parks investment in Michigan's history. Um, so this has been an, a longstanding commitment, and um, we think we can break new records like that. Um, you know, the largest investment in renewable energy, for example, that's something that we'd like to, to be able to say in the next few years. And this office is designed to do just that—to to help us. Uh, break new barriers in infrastructure development and help us deliver on the basic services that every Michigander deserves. So I'm, I'm interested in this work because I really believe in it. I really believe that this is the core government service and that if you don't provide clean water coming out of the tap and a safe road for folks to drive on to get to work or to the doctor and reliable power, even when there's a storm, that folks start to lose faith in the ability of of their government or their state or whatever the case may be to, to solve problems and to deliver for them
0: i'm really glad you framed it that way because i think that there probably is uh some question about why when you already have all of these cabinet members over these various agencies that deal with these various forms of infrastructure and infrastructure as you point out does not just mean you know transportation infrastructure and roads and bridges right. it means lots of other things but about why it's good to have one person kind of overseeing it, you know, bringing it all together, kind of being the conductor, I guess, that, that gets all the instruments uh, in sync. And especially, you know, your point about broadband and what, what this governor is doing and what Michigan is doing is so important when so mm-hmm. much of our state is rural and it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's such an important uh, aspect of education and, and linking communities. And, mm-hmm. and uh, I mean, you can't say enough about the need for, you know, for broadband access everywhere.
1: No, you really can. That's that's a great observation, Jeff. Broadband, high speed internet, is really the 21st century version of uh, of roads, right? You know, back in the early in the early 20th uh, century, uh, it was groundbreaking to have a smooth road that could get you to work. Quickly and facilitate the commute, and we've all seen over the last few years that what a lot of workers need, um, you know, particularly knowledge workers and, and, and other workers who are at the center of a of, of a 21st century economy and a, and, a, and you know the center of a service based economy, a, a lot of what they need is high speed internet connection, uh, so that they can you know do their job from from anywhere and be responsive to. The kinds of demands of modern day employers. So you know, it's it, high speed internet facilitates connections between people. Facilitates um, you know my my kids keeping in touch with their grandparents over in Holland, Michigan, and 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 also in you know halfway across the country in Massachusetts. And it also enables uh, you and I to to do our jobs. And, uh, and you know, and uh, and and it's incredibly important for Michigan to. Uh, stay competitive in uh, in sort of knowledge based industries.
0: Yeah, well said. Well, let's talk about the the good news, the issue of the week, and and talk a little bit about how uh, sometimes fixing the damn roads means actually changing a road and and fixing mm-hmm. you know a historical problem.
1: Yeah, that's a great question. I three seventy five has helped suburban commuters get to downtown Detroit for decades, but at great cost. Um, So the road was designed with an eye toward helping people get to work and not toward building community and facilitating connection in the city of Detroit. And that's really unfortunate because the effect of it, uh, well, the, the immediate effect of it was to destroy two prosperous Black neighborhoods, Paradise Valley and Black Bottom and that's a historical wrong that we candidly cannot repair Um, but what we can do is build something new and something that is centered on the community you know where that road is Uh, so 375 currently divides the east side of detroit with its access to the riverfront and access to belle isle and beautiful residential neighborhoods from the vibrant commercial center that is downtown, and uh, if you, you know, we were we were standing next to 375 earlier today, Jeff, you and I, and when you're standing there, you look around; it's a it's a quarter mile of concrete in every direction, a pretty intimidating barrier between the vibrancy of downtown and all those folks that live on the east side. So, what we have the opportunity to do is help knit. Those communities back together and create opportunities for for folks to live close to downtown, um, for residential development, for folks to build businesses next to downtown, and uh, and probably what will one day be considered part of downtown where, where three seventy five is is today, and uh, a, and build more a more walkable, more bikeable, safer uh, community that. Contributes a variety of amenities like parks and cleaner air and connection between downtown and the river and the riverfront. Um, So it's a really exciting project and one that's extremely worthwhile.
0: Well, it's it's right in the wheelhouse of Secretary Buttigieg, U.S. Department of Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg, who was there for the announcement. And this is exactly the kind of thing he's been talking about. Mm -hmm. And you know, they, as he mentioned, there was tremendous competition for the one point five billion dollars available in these infra grants. And the fact that this project, you know, got the fourth largest amount of any of those grants, uh, I think it's it's a real tribute. I mean, it's a it's a tribute certainly to the people at MDOT and MDOT planning who put the grant application together, but to the, the city officials and the neighbors and, and everybody who has come together and you know really built a consensus around the need for this project. Um and, and how exciting it is for you to be just a few months on the job and to be able to to be part of something like this talk about what that means
1: absolutely it it is it is really exciting and i think that the work that mdot has done since uh 2014 when folks started working on this project has been monumental and has built a, a foundation for the project to succeed so you know you mentioned um uh your colleagues at mdot i think you know john Laurie the uh the project director, did I get that right, Jeff? Is he the project yeah. director? Yep. Yeah,
0: okay, well, he's, the pro- he's the project manager.
1: Project so manager, I don't that. want to mis-title anyone on your podcast. Yeah, uh, John, John Lurie, the project manager, and uh, Kim Webb, the metro region director, are, have been so critical in getting this project to where it is today with um, you know, environmental review cleared and now uh, a really significant amount of the funding uh, delivered and enormous credit to them. And then, you know, the work that Mayor Duggan and Governor Whitmer and um, Secretary Pete Buttigieg and, and President Joe Biden have done to create a framework to fund projects like this and uh, connect the dots between the work that's been going on in Detroit to put this project together and the funding opportunities available uh, has made this has made this possible. So, you know, I think it's a great. It's a great example of the of the work that we can do when we work together at this local, state, and federal level. And I think it's really great for Michigan to get such a big win under our belts so early in the bipartisan infrastructure law rollout process. You know, thinking about my role, uh, trying to drive us toward uh, pulling down the maximum amount of federal dollars possible. Seeing us take advantage of those opportunities really early in the process, I think shows that we're on the right track and is is a really positive sign. And I mean, Jeff, what do you what do you think about this coming just on the heels of the of the raise grant opportunity of the twenty five million dollar raise grant that Michigan won just just a month or two ago?
0: It showed today. It was really interesting talking with some of my counterparts at USDOT, and they were so impressed with. Everything about today's announcement, you know, the, the setting, the coming together of, of the neighbors, you know, some plain old folks who are just interested in this project because they live nearby. Obviously, the city officials, the state officials. Um, I think it, it, it showed tremendous credibility on our part as a state to cooperate and pull off something like this. And it's only going to lead to, you know, a bigger spotlight and, and more looks for these grants and other discretionary funds going forward uh, I, I think they all came away very impressed with with what we showed them today so yeah
1: yeah no that's I think uh I think Michigan has demonstrated that we can put together high quality projects and you know that we can also work with our federal partners to to get things done yeah absolutely
0: um I was able to talk with uh, staffers for senators Stabenow and peters who were there and they were just they were thrilled uh it was just a really good day all the way around. And uh, at some point, I'll be talking more to some of the activists in the community, some of the people that know the history mm-hmm. and, you know, getting their perspective as this goes along. But, but right now, uh, you know, there's a lot of positive momentum. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I think that there are other things, um, n- nothing exactly like this one. This one's a little bit unique, but some other things around the state, you know, where we can we can do more to mm-hmm. encourage and increase that kind of connectivity. So um,
1: I agree 100%. Yeah, one of the things that's most exciting about this project is the way that it integrates modern design elements and design elements that uh, reflect a need to adapt to a changing climate, right? So, you know, having permeable pavement uh, be part of the project proposal here, having rain gardens to absorb uh you know the increased rainfall that we're experiencing uh you know these are things that'll be really helpful for the city of detroit and i think it also serves as a model for highway for for modern highway and and boulevard projects going forward
0: absolutely
1: uh, so i hope can we can do. continue to build on that
0: yeah in bioretention islands the more you can do for that kind of sustainable building and in grand rapids where i live there's you know the city put in a long Bike track along Monroe Avenue near Riverside Park, which is this you know beautiful stretch of public land along the Grand River, and that that has that permeable pavement, and it's really worked out well. And uh, yeah, oh, so to start, yeah, to start using that in bigger applications, I think is 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 a good thing. So yeah, it's all good. Well, Zach, thanks. Uh, I'm sure I'll be checking in with you from time to time as you uh, you know get into your job more and take on more and more challenges. Uh, I look forward to you know, hearing how you feel about where things are in a couple months from now.
1: Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me on the, on the podcast and you know, thanks for your partnership and in, in getting the word out about all the great work that's going on in Michigan.
0: Thank you again, Zach. And before we hear from John Lurie, the project manager, let's listen to what Governor Whitmer had to say at today's event celebrating the grant award. When it was built, I-375 paved the two prosperous black communities, Black Bottom and Paradise Valley the unjust decision displaced 130,000 Michiganders. It uprooted hundreds of businesses and dozens of houses of worship. It severely impacted the local economy, wiping out years of generational wealth. We cannot change the past, but what we can do is work together to build a more equitable future. Once again, we're talking with John Marie, who has been a visitor on the podcast before. He's the project manager on the I-375 project, and he can share the details on what this grant means, how it helps expedite the project, and uh, and other details and developments that have happened since the last time we talked about this. So, John, thanks for taking time to be here. Glad to be here. So, $100 million, almost $105 million actually. actually, um, what does that do for uh, for moving this long sought project forward?
2: Yes, yeah, certainly it is an expensive project. Uh, the, old, the capital construction cost comes in at around two hundred seventy million uh, in our future year twenty twenty seven dollars, and it was always one challenging uh, to program coming out of the region's budget. And this really introduces some flexibility um, and some additional money into into our program. And it looks like it's going to allow us to um, look at that twenty twenty seven year and reevaluate and move up that construction year. Uh, we'll be targeting uh, a twenty twenty five construction year uh, with these with these infra funds and uh, it's really uh, an exciting I think it really shows the priority that the current administration has on these uh, reconnecting community projects and a real understanding of of the benefits that this uh, transformative project is going to bring to the city and the surrounding community
0: so here we are toward the end of 2022 obviously september almost fall and we're talking about design work in the next couple of years getting us to construction in 2025 um, obviously to you or anybody that you know works on these kinds of huge projects you understand why that takes so long but can you explain why would design, you know, take that amount of time?
2: Yeah, certainly. We uh, just had our design kickoff meeting. Uh, utilities, utilities, utilities is a is a always a a big one. Uh, we do have, uh, you know, major transmissions for electrical and water main and otherwise that we have to make sure that we're coordinating and working around. Uh, this project is unique and and innovative in many ways. One of them being that we do have uh, some substantial excess property that'll be available for redevelopment. And so as we're working through our our design process, we'll also be working through planning with the city on what that land use is, and really a a wonderful uh, opportunity that presented itself um, as we kind of wrapped up the environmental assessment, uh, really looking at ways to use the value of the excess property to uh, provide community enhancements to give value back to the community through the value of that land that was used to construct the original freeway, so we have a lot of work to do on on many fronts um, around uh, around moving around moving this uh, very unique and innovative project forward
0: so what have you heard you know so far in the public meetings and your interaction with People in the neighborhood and you know interested parties, whether they're businesses you know Eastern market and other businesses nearby, and certainly people that live in Elmwood Park or Lafayette Park, about what they would want to see in development and use of that land
2: yeah we've 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 actually shared some some early concepts um, in terms of what that could look like. Um, but really, our approach is to really take that uh, uh, a community-driven approach to determine what that land use will ultimately look like. Um, it being really, when you look at uh, right now, the freeway is really a considered somewhat of a, we'll say, a moat between the the city's central business district and the the Lafayette development neighborhood. To the east, um, really, we, we've talked about it with the community as being more of a, a residential cap. Uh, the boulevard will be on the west side, uh, closer to the central business district. So that that additional space between the neighborhoods and, and the boulevard would be looked at as kind of that residential cap where you have... Um, uh, you know, kind of mid-rise type developments potentially with low-level commercial or retail type opportunities. Uh, but certainly there's some opportunities to look at some some public space and, and green space areas. And I think we're just excited to start looking at some of those, those concepts and what the market can support and and look at those together with the community to figure out, you know, what the most appropriate types of developments are
0: yeah that's that's the really exciting part of this not just uh the connectivity between the neighborhoods and in downtown the central business district and the the sports facilities the cultural facilities you talked about but what it will look like with you know more development in that corridor and mixed development and you know, housing and other things and you know we've talked a lot about not being able to you know fix the mistakes of the past and things that we know now that we didn't know then and um, you know, this kind of building of freeways through neighborhoods went on all over the country. It wasn't unique to Detroit. But, I mean, it's, it's exciting for you to be part of something like this, right? I mean, it's got a national spotlight on it, and, you know, you're you're in the thick of it. So talk about what it means to you to, you know, someday be able to look back on this and talk to your kids about being involved in this.
2: Yeah, I think it's, it's very exciting, and it's going to be a very uh, collaborative effort, I think, to get to – to get to the finish line in terms of, you know, what we really want to accomplish with everything. You know, we, we benchmark off of other projects and see that the the land use piece and that comes with a, a freeway to boulevard conversion isn't always handled in the best way. And we really want to do that appropriately. And and use that property to provide you know those enhancements, which really hasn't been done before in terms of looking at how we can incubate minority businesses within that space, provide a, a affordable housing opportunities within it, and really any other um, types of you know community healing pieces. And uh, really, we're hoping that this type of model will be something that, as other cities look at this type of project will be something that they can can take and and work off of, I'm sure you know there's always going to be improvements that can be made along the way, but really we're we're looking to try to to set a model uh, for that, um, knowing that these types of projects are are going to be happening more and more across the country
0: yeah that's exactly right, and they'll be taking a close look at this and, and how it goes and especially and that came up a lot in the announcement um, that that issue of collaboration and, you know, some of the people that really know the history of how the project came to be in the first place, how 375 was built, that it didn't have, you know, it just didn't go on in those days, I don't think, at the federal level or at the state level, to have that kind of community input, that kind of public outreach and public involvement. And it's, you know, it's come to be expected now, and it's it's what the department does. Part of that came out of NEPA, but even more so, you know, it's just the right thing to do um and it's funny that you you talk about it being a moat the the mayor mayor duggan referred to it as a ditch i guess either one of those terms works huh
2: yeah yeah it does it really it really divided um divided those the neighborhood and the the city there Uh, it was very divisive so as you
0: look at this there's it's it's both both uh you know thrilling and uh, a daunting challenge and mostly well, tell me, what do you see as the most challenging as being a project manager in something like this? Is it the, is it the herding of the cats, building consensus? Uh, is it the the actual construction details and the design, you know, that kind of, that kind of work, or is it really the the soft skills that come into play?
2: Yeah, really, I think they're 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 all important. Um, I think to pull off something like this, there is a lot of of the the herding of the cats, and really, you know, it's a lot of understanding, listening, and and getting people's views and opinions, and being able to use those and leave those into the the project appropriately. But also knowing that there's some things that we can't do, and that we have limitations, and really being able to articulate those. So I, I think that's where you know a lot of the the soft skills come into play, but you know, we're in that role in the project right now where we're we're into the design as well. So really, you know, the the technical and, and nuts and bolts of of uh you know how the project is going to be built are are very important as well. And and when we talk about challenges, you know, how the project is built is certainly one of them, looking at how uh how the the earthwork is going to work in terms of you know filling in the ditch and the amount of cuts that we have up in the interchange you know how do we balance that and how do we maintain traffic to a casino and a, a you know a very thriving restaurant district in greek town and in access to the riverfront and all the other great destinations around the city and and the, not to mention the the special event venues um around there with all the major stadiums being uh being right there so uh, a lot of challenges just around you know very very complex challenges around some of the maintenance of traffic and constructability that comes with this project so it you really have to wear a lot of hats
0: yeah absolutely well thank you john we will be talking more as the project progresses i'm sure uh i really appreciate it um i i congratulations i guess on on this grant and moving the project forward and um wish you Tremendous luck in in your work uh, overseeing this $300 million
2: project. Thank you, Jeff. Yeah, very excited to be be, uh, moving it forward. Thank
0: you again for listening to this week's edition of the Talking Michigan Transportation podcast. I would like to thank Randy Dubler and Corey Petey for engineering this week's podcast. To subscribe, to show notes, and more, go to Apple Podcasts and search for Talking Michigan Transportation.